What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Adam, once again with you, and I'm joined by Alex. And we have a special guest this week from the NBL, from Clutch Radio, from several places all around Australian basketball, Tom Hirsch, uh, longtime Pacers fan. You've been on this show before. Welcome back. Thanks. Great to be back. Um, lots going on at the moment. So, yeah, really looking forward to getting stuck into it. It's been a massive week. I mean, we, um, we were laughing beforehand about how we spent a quarter of the episode talking about Harrison Barnes last time, Alex, and uh, then he got the extension got announced as I was tweeting out the episode. But um, <laughs> it, it didn't stop us from making a lot of moves in free agency, even though that one was taken up. Uh, what are your overall reactions to the temper of what we did, and then we'll get into each move and we might talk to to that overall. So what's what's your overall grade or your overall feeling for what the Pacers did over the last week? Well, I feel like I'm easy because going into this offseason, I said, get the Tyrese extension done and it's an A for me. Like yep. you lock up your franchise player till 2029, I think. So that was always going to be the biggest thing. They got it done like half an hour after midnight in the US. Um, and then beyond that, Bruce Brown, awesome signing for me. You have the flexibility with the team option, which we can talk about a little later. And then a guy I'm really high on in Obi Toppin as well from the Knicks. And you got him for two seconds. I mean, you acquired two seconds earlier in draft night uh, to move back one spot. You got three seconds to take on Nora, George Hill and Ibaka from the Bucks earlier in the season. And you might get two seconds from Duarte. So that's why you do those moves. You do those little trades. People kind of go, uh, it's a bit, bit of a boring move, but you can take a swing on a young guy. Obi, his numbers as a starter are amazing. Just under 21 a game, 44% from three as a Nick uh, when he when he started. I think that was like a 15-game sample size. So not massive, but the, uh, the promise is there. So overall, uh, A, A minus, something around that. But yeah, again, the Tyrese extension was always the biggest thing. Tom, I think the over-under on Alex talking about Obi Toppin was about 45 seconds and we hit the <laughs> under. Um, what were your reactions coming out of this, knowing that Alex is a completely biased Obi Toppin-loving gentleman? Yeah, look, I mean, coming into free agency, that we obviously had some needs that we were looking to address and forgetting positions for the moment, because I think we kind of address that power forward spot, at least for the for the future with, with with Jarris Walker. But just getting better defensively and I think giving ourselves some more depth and some more flexibility. And I think we nailed those two things. You know, we, as I said, we'll, we'll, you know, as Alex said, we'll get into the contracts in a little bit, but you get, you get one guy who can absolutely come in and help right away and you get a second guy who can probably come in and help right away if it gives you upside long-term as well. And then gives you also a bit of depth around Jarris so you can bring him along a little bit slower. Um, so I'm with Alex and, you know, excited by the OB prospects uh, and what he could give us. But I, I really like the get of Bruce Brown if if you're not going to go for that veteran guy like a Harrison Barnes because he gives you a lot of versatility. But he's also someone who's entering his prime and he's been on a winner and first and foremost, he addresses that defensive need that we've been craving. So I think that that was a home run. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with I'm with Alex around probably like a B plus, A minus overall. My tough grader. Very <laughs> tough. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was going to go with around that A minus. I think the um, 
the Bruce Brown signing, I love what we did with that. And we can get into that, I think, first. And, and you talked to it there, Tom, around, around the defensive ability, the veteran presence. He's got a ring now. So, you know, bringing that to this team. He's also, I think, in something like the 90th percentile for transition field goal percentage, along with Obi Toppin. I think I read that on Twitter during the week. And... That's, I think, probably the the most exciting part about this for me. We we clearly want to play fast. We uh, Rick's always been an offensive coach, and now he's building a team that allows him to play the way that he likes to see the game played. And um, you would have been forgiven for being a little concerned about the Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin backcourt from a defensive perspective. What have we done? We've got Brown. We've got Walker. We've got Turner. Um, to add some defensive capability uh, around those two young and yet to be defensively polished guards um, that will highly likely be in the starting lineup. But when it comes to Brown, I mean, Bruce Brown, Alex was linked to the Lakers. Um, He was obviously linked strongly to returning to the Nuggets. And Mike Malone said that he's definitely coming back. Well, sorry, that aged poorly, but um, one year and, you know, 23 million and then a team option for 24 million next season, not only gives you the ability to see what Bruce Brown can do in an even bigger role um, for this Pacers team, but it allows you so much more flexibility as players get into free agency next season that could be that borderline all-star or all-star caliber player. I love the contract for Indiana. Right, and that's why I think the reactions were over the top initially people saw the number and kind of said, what? Like 45 million for Bruce Brown. It's a lot of money. And my reasoning as well is like, at the end of the day, let's be honest, the Indiana Pace is not a free agent destination, never will be, even with Halliburton. But to lure a guy away from playing with Jokic on a championship team, you have to you have to say, yeah, we're going to pay you 10 million more than this team or that team. And I think that's what the Pacers did. Uh, my question for for you guys is, do you think that he starts day one? Was that was that a part of the signing, do you think? Or is because he was a six man in Brooklyn, was a six man in Denver, plays that role really well. But uh, as you alluded to, Adam, the defense is so important. The point of attack, especially, uh, he's amazing at that. So I wonder, does he start at the three? Because, yeah, he's 6'4", but he kind of guards threes and fours a bit. So, Tom, Tom, what do you reckon? Does he start day one? Um, I think that's going to be up to how Rick Carlisle wants to use him, and and to me, it's it's a it's a Bruce Brown versus Andrew Nemhart conversation. It, yep. You know, Matherin yep. is in the starting lineup, and to me, given it's Brown and Nemhart, I think Matherin's your starting three, and that's fine. You know, he's strong, whatever. We know he has his challenges defensively, but that's where starting Brown over Nemhart might be the right move because you can play Brown defensively as a three, whereas Nemhart's is probably a, a, I mean, they're actually the same height, but he just doesn't have the strength and that yep. defensive prowess, I think, that that Brown does in the experience. But I know Rick Carlisle loves starting Nemhart, so that's going to be a really interesting one to keep an eye on. I can't see him bringing Matherin off the bench again like he did last year. I think that ship has sailed. He's He's done his time and he has to be a starter going forward. So... I could see. I would actually prefer to have Brown starting. I like Nemhart as a as a flexible guard off the bench because he can come in and back up one or two really, um, and, and gives you a different look at that one spot when Tyrese has to rest or you play Tyrese off the ball a little bit as well sometimes. So 
I don't have a great answer for you. It's going to be one to watch, but I, my preference would be to probably start Brown. I think you're going to see Benedict Matherin and Bruce Brown play a lot together this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely agree because with if you go with uh, Matherin, Nemhard, Brown sort of backcourt, then Matherin's going to be asked to do a lot of heavy lifting offensively to create shots for himself and others. I mean, Nemhard can rack up assists to back up point guard after all, uh, you know, or has been over the course of the last season and played a lot of shooting guard beside Tyrese. But I mean, Matherin is still, I think, going to be the linchpin of those uh, second tier lineups for Rick Carlisle. So I think even though Matherin may start, um, you'll see a lot of switching up of the lineups based on who we have to defend on a nightly basis. Um, and I want to talk about Toppen in this um this conversation as well, because just like you might have a Brown and Nemhard conversation, all of a sudden you have a Toppen and Walker conversation as well. And, you know, Alex, for how hard you go for uh, Obi Toppen and the fact that you'll probably end up buying his jersey this season, um, who would you start? I mean, it's been a an often debated thing, I think, on Twitter the last few days. For me... I mean, Obi Toppin was a rotational player in New York from time to time. He clearly fell out of favor at different points with Tom Thibodeau. Um, I don't think he has done enough in his career to warrant starting over the eighth overall pick that you're going to invest at least four seasons into, plus potentially that rookie extension if if Jarese walks out, Walker works out. But I, I can understand the the desire to want to see Tyrese and Obi together as much as possible. Adam, we're going to have to start a fund for a dollar every time you mispronounce yeah. Jarris yeah, Walker's like, name because I'm really going to catch bad. you on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's another interesting one though, isn't it? Because Toppin's 25, Jarris is only 19. Yeah. So in my mind, Rick Carlisle notoriously doesn't really like playing super young guys. The Pacers want to make the playoffs. So it's a little bit different than last year where the expectations weren't as high. Um, defensively, obviously, Walker comes in and him and Turner, I think, would be a formidable formidable front court defensively. But, yeah, I just I think the age, Obi has a bit of playoff experience as well. I would imagine, like, again, this is just speculation, but I think Obi will be the day one starter that will be subject to change throughout the season. So, you know, we could see... Uh, a situation like last year where Nemhard got a DMP first game of the year. Then he ends up starting more than half the game. So I think Walker will have to earn his minutes just like Matherin did as a six man last year. And then the the starting lineup could change as, as time goes forward. That was going to be my next question, Tom. We saw Matherin, we spoke about him having his apprenticeship last season. Is this Rick Carlisle's way now? Could we see Walker carry the same apprenticeship, be the first player off the bench to start the season and, you know, ease his way into his NBA career by playing a role off the bench, potentially playing against more second unit guys in the way that Matherin did in 22-23. I think it's possible, but let's not forget that Andrew Nemhard ended up starting half the season as a rookie anyway. So it's not a hard and fast rule for Rick Carlisle. I think it's going to be dictated by what he thinks Walker can give on a nightly basis. And that to me starts with how quickly he adjusts to NBA level defensive schemes and even just being comfortable 
as kind of a move the ball type of player offensively, you know, playing that pseudo uh, Draymond Green type of role in, in Golden State where you're there to set screens and pass the ball and then set up your teammates. And if he picks those things up quickly and all indications are that he will, I can see him starting a bunch of games. I think there'll absolutely be nights where Obi starts. There might even be nights when Jalen Smith starts. I don't know. Um, I mean, they obviously traded Obi for, for a reason, traded for him. Um, they like him. They like his upside. Let's not forget he's in that former number eight overall pick as well. Um, so I think it might be dictated by matchups in certain times of the year. It might, But I think to start off with, I could probably see Jarris off the bench early while he's adjusting. Um, but I think he'll end up starting a bunch of games this year. I think he's that good. Let's take a sharp left-hand turn to something that, Tom, you and I have debated a little privately and uh, we've talked about a little bit on this show, Jonathan Kaminga. We, we, I think it, we're talking about power forwards. This is the logical next uh, part of the discussion. Uh, you've been a huge fan of this guy and he's clearly got a lot of potential. Um, I guess the question now becomes... Would you trade Walker for Kaminga or would you sacrifice Walker's development in order to bring in a guy like Kaminga who potentially has a much higher ceiling at that position? Um, better to have the conversation after before we draft a power forward, of course, but now that we have drafted a power forward, is the the talent still as tantalizing for you? I mean, the talent is still there. It hasn't changed pre, yeah. pre-draft or post-draft for me. Uh, and, you know, we were debating offline around whether we should be considering trading that number seven pick for Jonathan Kaminga. And I was a big advocate for if it's available, you have to consider it because I think he's that good and he's still young and he kind of gives you what you are looking for at that position. The reality is they've now found that in the guy they really coveted in the draft. So I don't know that it makes sense to just flip the script and go after Kaminga now. I, I kind of feel like that ship has sailed. As much as I'd love to have him on the paces, as much as I still think he's going to be an incredible talent once he's given a chance to really unleash himself and, and play a role, I think Jarris fits the roster with the other pieces around him really well and possibly a more natural fit in that roster than Kaminga is as talented as I, as I think he is. Alex, what are your thoughts on this this whole power forward discussion? And and probably another question is, who do you think Tyrese wants as the starting power forward for the Pacers more? Does he want Obi Toppin? Does he want Walker? I'm not even going to try the first name at this point because you're going to roast me every time I do. <laughs> or would he prefer for the team to trade for a Kaminga and bring in another guy that, you know, potentially, as I say, has has far and away more potential, potentially, than the two guys they've got? Well, I already know Tyrese is excited about Obi. Yeah. Uh, they actually share the same agency, so they've talked a bit, and uh, he, he was likening it to Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. Just throw it down the field somewhere, and he'll catch it. Throw it up near the rim. Top city. Uh, Topham will go up there and grab it. Yeah. So, look, I, I think yeah, obviously this was probably a conversation to have like two weeks ago, but it, it's interesting because out of all the names that were linked to that seventh pick, going back to that conversation. Kaminga was by far not the worst, right? Like I saw Tobias Harris linked to the seventh pick, which go away. You know, I saw Finney Smith somehow get linked to the seventh pick, which how does that happen? I don't know. But, you know, I saw all these crazy vet names, but Kaminga fit the mold of, yeah, he's young, fits the timeline. Uh, like Toppin, he's a crazy athlete. 
better defense, a better defensive prospect than Obi was, uh, and he's younger. So yeah, it's interesting. But I think now that they've made the trade for for Toppin, they'll probably leave the power forward spot alone. I'd say. I think the other moves that come next will be more so around like Daniel Thice is still on the roster, which is he going to be there day one? Who knows? Uh, McConnell's role could be interesting. And then Buddy Heald, I think, is the other one because as an expiring contract, you kind of have to look at trading him just because you have to get some sort of asset back instead of losing him for nothing in a year. The other thing is, though, if Buddy, and this has been my standpoint about Buddy, if, if he's willing to accept a bench role, which he didn't really like in Sacramento, but if he is willing to take it here in Indy, I'm good keeping him. You can extend him on a cheaper, more team-friendly deal. I get he's a little bit older, but you know, one of the best shooters in the league and has a really good connection with Tyree. So, um, yeah, I, I think those three guys will, will be the next moves. I think they're done with the power forward spot. I think the presence of Matherin really hurts Heald's ability to stay on this team long-term because you just can't afford to carry too many guys that are, let's just say, not a plus defensively, <laughs> um, to be really, really kind about it. But, Tom, I... I I'd love to see Buddy on this team. You always need a knockdown three-point shooter, but the existence of Matherin and also the investment that the team have made into the former six pick from last season kind of dictates that you can only have him and another, you know, um, offensively-minded player on the court at one time. Now, that's not to say that Matherin's defense won't improve as he gets older. I mean, he's only in his very early 20s, just like Obi Toppin, but it does make it more difficult to justify having uh, more guys in the lineup that aren't able to be plus defenders at their position. Yeah, I tend to agree. And look, you know, there's a lot of pluses with having Buddy on the roster, uh, his experience, um, you know, his ability in a, in a reserve role to come out and attack second unit defenses, I think would be great. But the timeline doesn't really fit. And the other thing, when I think about Buddy Heald, is he's still a trade asset in this league. There's a lot of teams that covered a Buddy Heald type player. And I think at some point they're going to cash in on that because it it's just makes good business sense to do that while you've got that opportunity because the older he gets, um, the harder that equation becomes. So if he's not going to be in your long-term plans as a starter or a major player, and again, he could still play 20, 25 minutes off the bench, but is he going to be happy in that kind of role? then I think you need to maximize his trade value while you can. Let's talk about the guy that's probably out the door. It's been reported that he has been traded, Chris Duarte, to Sacramento. We're still no clearer on whether that deal has been finalized, nor the draft compensation that has been received by the Pacers in that transaction. Alex, we, we were talking about whether Duarte would be on the team in a week's time. Last week, we said no. Sounds like we were kind of right, but nothing's been announced formally yet. Um, are you surprised by the destination of Duarte? And what would you expect the return to be? You mentioned two second rounders. Uh, is that what we're looking at here for a guy like Duarte? Yes, sadly, I would imagine it's probably just what we got or what we had to give up to get Toppin. Yep. Probably just two second rounders, which... Look, it's disappointing because at the end of the day, we invested a lottery pick in this guy two years ago and now he's not on the roster anymore. And look, uh, Adam, you and I weren't thrilled with the pick at the time. Drafting a 24-year-old in the lottery is always a risk and 
He had a really good rookie season, proved us wrong, and didn't really fit now with this current team. Uh, so, look, I, I think the fit is much better for Duarte in Sacramento. He has that chemistry with Sabonis already established. And they're on a bit of a different timeline. Like, they're, they're ready to push now, whereas the Pacers may be ready to push in two or three years. So, I, I, look, I think for Duarte and for the Pacers, it worked out. But, again, you, you look back at that draft and, oh, man, like how good would Trey Murphy be on this team right now? And Moses Moody was there as well. I still think he would be a better fit with the Pacers. But, yeah, it's hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. For the team that he was drafted to, though, Tom, having Brogdon and, and Sabonis, it kind of worked. But it very quickly turned into a team that did not – necessarily value Duarte's skill set. Yeah, and that's right. He's just a victim of circumstance with the team flipping the script and, and getting into rebuild mode. And then, like, it's interesting, though, because we were just talking about Buddy and what sort of role he would fit on this roster. And in many ways, Duarte could fill that role, obviously not as well. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's a bit younger than Buddy, but I think that ship has sailed. I think it's clear he's not really in their future plans and... Now that the trade's been reported, um, assuming it goes ahead, um, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna reverse that at this point. So, yeah, you'd like to get a bit more compensation, but you know we've done pretty well with two firsts lately. So maybe it's a, a lucky thing for the Pacers moving forward. And Sorry, two seconds. We've done very well with two seconds, and now we we happen to have another draft where we own multiple first round picks as well. So when you consider. Um, you consider Buddy's expiring contract when you consider McConnell's contract. You know, there are there is Kevin Pritchard's favorite word, optionality, with what this roster can look at later in the season. You can potentially trade up to, you know, $30 million of salary out and a couple of first round picks and really get a, a home run swing at a guy that's either a borderline all-star or an all-star. Everyone drink under Dan and Obi. Um, but <laughs> I think Alex, that that it has to be the logical um, next step for this team to become a contender. Cause I, I do look at the tweets that I've seen this week where everyone has been posting all 15 names on this roster. And I have to think to myself, uh, do we have too many guys? Do we just have too many guys that are going to want minutes? that are going to command minutes that are going to earn minutes. And then uh, we're going to have to consolidate the roster and either bring on a couple of, you know, um, minimum deals, guys that don't necessarily play um, and try and bolster the top end with a guy that makes 30 to $40 million a year. Yeah, it's funny because I, I feel like we've talked about it so much on this show, the uh, the kind of log jam with Sticks and Isaiah Jackson playing the same spot. Both were backup fives. I know they said Jalen Smith was going to be a four, but... He ended up being a backup five. So no one's really talked about that on Pacers Twitter in the last two weeks. It, it kind of feels like it's died off a little. Isaiah Jackson going to play with the team in summer league. Uh, they obviously want him to get more reps and show maybe a little bit more with the handle or the jump shot. Uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting because to me, that feels like the position that there's too much going on, which is weird because most people would say the guard spot, but you have five centers really on the roster between Miles, Jalen, Isaiah, Schwebe, uh, and, oh, no, that's my bad. You have four. You have four right now, I think. So, nice. you know, 
Oh, and Thais as well. Exactly. So I, I was right originally. We have five on the roster. So something has to give there to me. Like two of those guys probably get dealt. And then, as you said, Adam, maybe you bring someone in on the wing and you have that flexibility in the future. If, you know, Obi doesn't work out, guess what? He's a restricted free agent. If Bruce doesn't work out, you have a team option. And yeah, you can go pay OG in free agency or you can go get a different wing because the class is better next year in uh, in free agency. So yeah, it's a good problem to have, but I think the center position is the one where something has to give soon. Tom, do you agree? Is that is that the major thing, position of need? I, I tend to think that the McConnell spot with Nemhard being there um, is the one that's probably under threat. He's going to make $9 million this season and has a partially guaranteed contract for a similar amount next season. Um, and I feel like he's kind of aging out of the direction of this team, given that, you know, Matherin needs more minutes than last season. Nemhard needs more minutes than last season. You've got Brown coming into the rotation. You've got Toppin coming in, Walker coming in. Um, I, I think it's almost TJ McConnell that has to give. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on TJ, but I also agree with Alex that they need to do something to shore up that uh, that five-man depth and just figure out what they want to do there. But, I mean, the other interesting thing to me is, you know, you, you guys talk about if we were to go out and, and try and get, you know, an all-star level 30 plus million dollar player next season in off, sorry, next, next off season in free agency, what position do we think that would be like a week? We convinced that's definitely a three spot. Like part of me wonders whether Matherin could be your three long-term, you know, he's possibly better suited to the two, but he's strong. So yeah. I'm not sold. Like, is it a two slash three? Maybe it is. Um, are we saying that Miles is still a candidate in future to be traded and you go out and get a, a better quality five? But we've we've had that conversation for years and there really isn't a better option out there. So I'm not sure what the answer is. I mean, yes, OG's someone that's been spoken about at length and and I'm, I'm with you guys when you talked last week, I think it was, about it makes more sense to wait till free agency to make a play for him rather than trying to trade for him now. I completely agree. Um, I just think I'd want to see how Matherin develops this year um, and, and what you get out of some of the other guys before we really make a decision on on what is that position of need to try and swing for the fences for. Broken record, but I think it comes down to the defensive um, improvement from Matherin and Tyrese into who you need to get in to fill that either two or three spot because you've clearly got Brown because you know you have a deficiency in that space. And if either or both of those players can take a step up to be, you know, not a plus defender, but not a minus defender, um, then it just gives you so many more options for who you could potentially go out and get. Um, I think the targets are kind of dwindling a little bit. You would have said that Jalen Brown could have been a target, but I think he's going to sign a deal that's going to pay him about a gazillion dollars in the last year of the deal. And the paces won't be keen on paying, you know, Tyrese nearly 50 million and someone else 70. Um, that's, that's out. Cat, uh, the same. Carl Anthony Towns is making 60 million the last year of his deal. That's just too rich for Herb Simon's blood for my, in my uh, eyes. But, you know, you look at the next sort of tier down and you think if there's a team that, you know, falters and blows it up, I mean, the Rock, the, the Raptors are clearly the one that um, everyone is pointing to that is close to blowing it up. 
The Wizards are the other one with Kuzma signing on for a relatively big deal over time, but not probably as big as we all expected it to be. Um, you're looking at those teams. Atlanta's another one. Um, you're looking at the teams that potentially could blow it up over the next 12 to 18 months um, for those trade targets because you do have an enticing package. You own all your picks plus another one. Got Buddy. You've got TJ on partially guaranteed or expiring deals. You've got guys on rookie contracts like Nimhard that have a lot of currency. So you could take a big swing. I think for me, I just don't see who the all-star is that's going to demand, firstly, demand out. Secondly, be a fit for what the Pacers need because Dame, for example, like we could probably trump any package for Damian Lillard, but we don't want Damian Lillard. He wouldn't be a good fit next to Tyrese Halliburton. So it would have to be you want out, you fit a need, and you actually want to come to Indiana and play there for two, three, four seasons. Alex, you've probably signed an extension over the last, you know, year to twenty to, to two years because I can't see the Pacers paying for a rental either because this market is so tough to retain free agents or lure them in. Yeah, well, the other thing is this could be a pointless conversation and Bruce Brown ends up being awesome yeah. and they just run it back with him having the team options. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think that the, the NBA is always changing. It's so fluid. You know, two or three teams every season seemingly say, yeah, that's it, we've had enough. And as Tom said, I think this year is a big one for Matherin in particular because, yeah, like Rick Carlisle is going to have to figure out, is this guy our two for the next six years of Halliburton's contract? Is that our backcourt? Or is Matherin more suited to the three? And then you go out and get a shooting guard. So, yeah, I, I think that it'll be a lot easier to answer this in a year's time, which is a bit of a, a, bit of a cop-out answer, but that that's my feeling towards it. And, and just to add to that, the other thing I think you have to figure out is, is Mathering going to be your number two scoring option going forward? Yeah. Or exactly. is he more your number three guy? And do you need to get someone to fill that role? And I think there's there's going to be options from rosters that are crunched cap-wise next season as well. Like you already see what's happened with Denver and they've had to let let Brown go. We know with like Porter Jr. and Gordon and Jokic and Murray, like there's, there's going to be teams like that that are going to have to make more moves. And I think that's where there might be some opportunities for the paces to to go after someone. My guy Porter Jr. That's uh that is that's gonna be a Not target that I I point to every single week. Um speaking of around the league, I, I want to get both of your thoughts, Tom. I'll start with you this time on your favorite non-Indiana move that was made over the last week or so. We've seen some extensions, we've seen a lot of trades take place, and then we've seen um some some free agents acquired. Um, let's make it a little fun and let's say what's what's your favorite move and what's your least favorite move from the last week or so. I think um, for me, probably my least favorite move was to sign Max Drews to four years and $63 million. That just seems like a, a gross overpay with what we've seen from from Max and, and that kind of backs up the uh, the conversation that we had a week ago, Alex, where we just sort of said, oh, we kind of really hope that, that that isn't the case. Close second to me is, is you know, Desmond Bain, I'm a big fan of, but $207 million, I just really find it difficult to justify paying him that amount of money. Um, and there've been some pretty rich deals signed. Um, I think the 
my favorite move was Herb Jones staying with the Pelicans for only $54 million over four seasons. I think he's a, a linchpin, linchpin of their starting lineup, can be a defensive stopper and, you know, he's shown a lot in his first few years in the league. And I think that is a bargain basement price for a guy that's going to pretty much start for you for the entire length of his contract. So they're my, they're my favorite and I've got quite a few least favorite moves. I think people overpay for players all over the place these days. Tom, uh, what did you like? What didn't you like? I'll start with what I didn't like, and and that was the Jeremy Grant deal in Portland. I think that's a massive overpay, and the timing of it was obviously suspect right around Lillard's announcement. But even even if Lillard was going to stay, like I don't see him as that level max player, to be honest. I think he's a good supporting player as a third option, but I think that was a massive overpay, and I think they're going to really regret that deal pretty quickly. It's going to... It's going to really hurt their flexibility going forward. So that one's really, really stuck out for me. In terms of ones that I did like, um, I'm going to sound like a bit of a homer here, but some of the Australian signings, I love Jock getting a four-year deal in Houston, even though I know only one year is guaranteed, but he really proved himself for Phoenix in the playoffs and he's going to get an opportunity to play a bigger role there. But the other one for me, and this is, mostly kind of just I've been a fan of this guy for years and I want him to succeed and that's Dante Exum getting another look yes. in the league with the Dallas Mavericks love I love it. that it's a low risk signing by Dallas it's just a one year deal they bring him in they get a look they see if he can actually stick at this level um, and based on what he's done in Europe the last two years every indication is that he is he's been able to stay healthy he's been a massive contributor for winning teams there uh, and I love that as a low risk signing just to give them a bit more depth He's been balling out in the third best league in the world, second best league is the NBL, but um, he's he's been great. He had some highlights, you know, he's getting to the rim. He's obviously always been really good defensively and and I think he'll be brilliant for that Dallas team. I, I kind of like what they're putting together there. Um, Alex, what about you? What what did you like? What didn't you like? Well, I was going to stay with the Aussie bias and say Paddy teaming up with Giddy yep. in OKC and, and Jack White as well joining them over there. So they're building an Aussie super team in, in Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, I think my non-biased answer would be Utah to the Suns. I just think the the connection that he has with KD, he's an awesome corner shooter. I don't know. He's just one of my favorite guys to watch. It's like a random, obscure role player. Uh, least favorite, as much as I respect Van Fleet as like, you know, undrafted, smaller guard. What the hell are Houston doing, man? They gave him three-year... I think it's like 43 million plus every season. I mean, I know they had to spend, you have to spend cap space now, but you didn't have to give him that many years on that much money. So that was my least favorite. It's a curious one to me as well when they just drafted Eamon Thompson too. Like, are they making him their three man now or does he come off the bench? Like, I just thought they'd give him the keys and let him run the offense alongside Jalen Green, but we'll see how that goes now. Um. Quick one. Uh, would you prefer to pay uh, Fred Van Vliet that contract over three years or at the risk of inciting um, uh, crazed answers from you, Alex, Kyrie Irving, three years and 40 odd, $42 million per year? Who would you rather pay over $40 million a year to? I'd almost, or not almost, I'd rather pay Van Vliet. At least you know he's going to show up and play. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, we'll we'll go on to the next conversation. <laughs> Kyrie, uh, hey, look, Dallas, Dallas had to pay him, so you know it is what it is. 
Dallas and I don't think him and Luca are going to do much. I don't think if they lose him for nothing, then Luca's gone in the year. So trade him. He wasn't going to sign with any team that had cap space. You could have got something for him. You could have made a different decision. Yeah, yeah, but you saw what Bradley Beal got in the trade. I know he had a no trade clause, but like, would would the Mavericks have gotten much for Kyrie in a sign and trade? Like, if they traded him to the Lakers, what would they have gotten? A bag of chips. So I don't know. Yeah, I I just I. I just can't justify paying a guy that is that disruptive to a franchise that amount of money for that many years. I just, I, I, you're not going to be able to trade him anywhere. And he, and he doesn't show up anyway. All right. I'll stop now. I'll, I'll shut up. Um, Tom, thank you so much for being with us uh, this week. We'll have to get you back um, across the, the off season and then for the season proper, um, you are a basketball sicko just like we are. So you're going to be watching a lot of summer league. I dare say there's so many NBL players suiting up this season, which is really exciting for us as people that cover the NBL and people that care about the NBL to see this amount of talent on display in Vegas and surrounds um, from the second best league in the uh, world. Yeah, really looking forward to it and really looking forward to the season ahead, to be honest. Uh, you know, as a Pacers fan, I feel like we have hope again. Um, we're headed in the right direction. We've, we've made some really smart moves. Um, and uh, I just I can't wait to see how some of these new pieces fit in. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jarris get out there in, in Vegas um, uh, pretty soon um, and just see what it looks like. And by the way, can I just say, I tweeted this out today, but our starting unit or potential starting unit for at least the right. first game in Vegas is absolutely stacked. Yeah. Nemhart, Matherin, I'm forgetting one, Walker, Isaiah Jackson. I'm definitely forgetting one, but there was someone else there as well. Um, yeah, they're going to be really Shepherd, tough. Shepherd and, and, Shepherd. Sorry? And Shepherd. Be Shepherd. Yeah, Shepherd, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Nem- Nemhard and Matherin might only play one game, um, but they're going to be damn good in that one game, that's for sure. Yeah, and Jackson's playing two, uh, I think I read today. So should be very, very exciting to see what we can do in Summer League. Alex, thank you again. We will see you next week on the Paceroos. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.